All right, so uh, this is Faith Over Breakfast. My name is Eric Siepen. I'm pastor of the village, and I would normally say sitting across from me, but he's not. He's in his home outside. This is Andy Littleton, pastor of the Mission of Mission Church, not the Mission Church. Yeah. And uh, we're both in Tucson, Arizona. We've been doing this podcast for a long time. We are, as according to one of our joint members who just got married, we are frenemies. Frenemies, we hear, yeah. Yeah, um, I don't really think so, but I think we're just friends who on occasion are me's. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, we're friends who aren't exactly the same, which is just everybody. Yeah. If you, if any of you got together and podcasted for years, you'd discover a lot of things are <laughs> not the same. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we talked about, well, we started out with Kanye and uh, the Kardashians, but that really wasn't that important. Um, and we got into no, Eric wants it to be important later. No, it's just clickbait, but um, we uh, talked about what we've been learning over the last two months in this COVID stay-at-home thing. Yeah, we've, uh, pastoring's been different, and our churches have gone through a unique experience, so what have we learned, and maybe you've learned something different, and maybe you're uh, not even a part of our church, and or either one of our churches, and this will spark some thoughts for you, so... Hopefully you enjoy, and thanks for tuning in. Yeah, thank you. Oh, there it is. I'm being recorded. You are being recorded, Eric. So, good morning, man. For breakfast. Yeah, and uh, of course we're we're introing it in a bit, so you know we don't need to say that now. Or it's Department of Redundancy Department. But I'll trim that off. Don't worry. I'm okay. committed. You're committed. Yeah, I noticed. Uh, <laughs> so uh, we want to talk about all that you learned in the COVID world. Well, I don't know what I've learned, but uh, there's definitely a lot of articles going around uh, in church circles and just in general circles about um, how, you know, everything's going to change after COVID-19 and we're going to rethink everything and, um, I don't know. My, my initial response to that or just my internal reaction is like, really? You, you know, I feel like I hear a lot of people who are just like, I just want to get back to normal life. And so, you know, I, but then I, I, re- I read a little bit into them and I think, yeah, you know, we probably will examine some things and come away with some, you know, every event, every world event changes us. But I wonder if they change us as fundamentally as we think and so anyway i there's that whole thing of what people are saying i'd love to hear your response to that but then i thought maybe we could just discuss what we have learned um in the past month doing uh corona style church doing church in a different way maybe the insights that we're taking away in our unique type of churches from this uh from this time so, sure, so you, all, what do you think really, uh, you're trying to give our our audience a, a compelling really you know no clickbait clickbait oriented po- uh, podcast no huh? we would do something about the kardashians if we were doing uh, that this is just coronavirus church nobody cares i wouldn't, I wouldn't mind doing the kardashians sometime that'd be actually <laughs> as a social uh <laughs> 
if I knew if I knew anything about the Kardashians, <laughs> me too. I mean, I'd have to go study. To do that, I am going to to seriously have to like start <laughs> from total scratch. All I know is their last name starts with a K and it's longer than average. And one of them married Kanye and the other one's apparently not wearing as much makeup anymore. And I only know that because, you know, when I scrolled the news headlines a couple days ago, there it was. And my serious, my thought was who flipping cares that she's wearing less makeup. So uh, apparently that's, that's a lot of I, people do, but, um, well, obviously, obviously. Yeah. So anyway, that's all uh, I've got on the Kardashians episode over. That's all I have. All right. Done. Boom. Yeah. We probably could talk a little bit about them in context of Kanye, but that's about it. Uh, yeah. Maybe. So <laughs> I still don't know how, how Kim Kardashian West fits in that equation. I, I mean, I'm sure she does, but it's like, I don't know where she's at with any of his stuff. Anyway, moving on. Yeah. So, uh, COVID. What have we learned? So I'll agree with you. And, and maybe it's just the contrarian in me, but I have gotten relatively sick of the whole, not, not necessarily saying, hey, like we need to think wisely about the future and what it might look like and what the church, how the church responds and what the church might learn. But I am pretty tired of the 10 lessons that you can learn or how to be the most effective church during this COVID time and into the future, how to grow your church. I, I really like, for instance, the article we discussed last week that referenced Carrie Newhoff. I like Carrie Newhoff. I listen to him sometimes. I mean, he's a mega church pastor, so I, I put him in that, you know, slot, but he has some interesting things to say. And you, have he, a little, you have a little subtle thing for mega church pastors, I yeah. just, I've just noticed that. It, yeah. Sure. Yeah. I, uh, I think that there's some things that small church pastors can learn from mega church pastors. Um, and, but I think that the idea that he presented that the church is growing now, I think maybe some, this is people are looking in a little bit more. Um, but I don't think the church is growing because we're all doing video um, in fact, we, at the beginning of our evening service, started singing something along the lines of video killed the pastor star or something like that. Oh. <laughs> but, uh, anyway, so I don't know. I think that this, we should slow down a little bit. We don't need to rush in and be like, you know, let's capitalize on this and, you know, but maybe... That's just because I tend to approach everything as a pastor and not an evangelist, and maybe they're just all evangelists and they're trying to approach it from that perspective. I I think some of these people, you know, get money for their articles and they have more time to write them, and right. so they're writing them, and they have to come up with. If you don't say something drastic like everything's going to change, nobody reads your article. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, what's his name from uh, the the guy who? Does I mean he's a big guy in the Southern Baptist world and does all the research? Not Barna, but the other guy. Um, oh, uh, I don't know. He's out of Wheaton. Um, okay. Anyway, I'll remember his Stetzer? name in a minute. Yeah, Stetzer. I mean, Stetzer's been pushing this hard about how this is going to change everything, and here's what you need to do, and here's how you got to rethink everything. And 
All right, so just just let's put the, the gauntlet falls. Here it is. Two two guys with churches under two hundred. Um, hey, together they, we have a church over two hundred. That's a good point. So us two, what do we think is going to change and not change? Let's just this is the lightning round and then we'll get into what we've learned. What do you think will change and won't change? You're Fair. gonna use more video than you used to. Like you're gonna yeah. You're going to have more of these Zoom conversations. People, you may have hybrid meetings now. More meetings will get kicked to Zoom because we all got used to it. Yeah, and also people who are shut-ins can now go to your Bible study because somebody can pop them up on Zoom and, you know, they can at least listen in and, and comment. Mm. So I, I think, think that... Is they should do a Zoom. This should be the next development from Zoom is a Zoom robot. It's got a screen on its face, and so it can feel in person, but you can have people stream into church or Bible study through the Zoom robot. Right, except that the Zoom robot goes crazy or something. You're all a Zoom robot murders. They ask, they ask really divisive questions, or they just keep going off topic, which would be very accurate and would actually feel more like a, a church. <laughs> conversation yeah so i mean i think there's some functional changes i know for us i mean in our church is a little bit more intergenerational we definitely are seeing the need for streaming that will probably happen after we start gathering so for certain one of our services will be live streamed so that people who are shut in can see it we also realize that now that you know you don't have the tape ministry anymore. You, you remember tape ministries? Oh yeah. Or yeah, everybody got mailed a tape. I, I mean, I, we, we have, I feel like podcast of yes. is like kind of the same, but yeah, I agree. Except that we have people who don't have that capacity to listen to a podcast. Are you bringing back tapes? Well, I'm like, no, we couldn't. Like, I don't, I mean, I could order some stuff and maybe we could start doing that, but I don't have the equipment to make tapes for them. I do have equipment to make CDs, but that's just another thing to do. So it's like, wow. I don't we think you're going to do that. See, that's, that's the thing is like, I mean, you could see the need for it in this moment, but I think when, when life gets back to normal, yeah. we're not doing that stuff. No, we're not going to do that. But we will do the live stream. We will do video into some of our, our gatherings. Yeah. But our, our prayer, our Wednesday prayer will never go back to – it's meeting room. It will just always be Zoom. Really? You think yeah. so? You well, don't think yeah, anybody no. else in your church is going to be like, no, we want to do this together. Like in a highly relational church like ours or like, you, you know, especially like yours. Well, what we found is that at seven o'clock in the morning, everybody can just roll out of bed. And so we increased our attendance to our prayer time. They like, don't have to put their pants on. Yeah. Yeah. They, it doubled. So it went from four to almost eight or nine praying. Do you think that's partly because of like the trying times and people not having to go into work? Do you think that'll, that'll stay the same when this isn't going on? Um, possibly, but even for the four people who often go gather and meet, like I think we've all decided, you know what, we're just doing this on zoom. Yeah. So I think it'll stay. That will stay. Do you think that's going to be good for us to move our prayers to I've, I've heard from people in our church that praying over zoom isn't as good they they're just like this isn't this 
they somebody actually was like, "Can we cut the prayer time from our our gathering because it's over Zoom and it's weird?" Yeah, that has not. I mean, we've had some of the more powerful prayer times on Zoom. So yeah, yeah. no, and we've we've got complete opposite response. <laughs> the best that. thing about prayer on Zoom is you don't have to close your eyes because you can just just hide your screen. Right. So then you can go actually go to the bathroom. Everybody thinks you're closing your eyes and pre- I'm just kidding. That's not true. But but it's uh it's a weird thing where you don't know who's watching and who's not. And so some of the people you've got hands folded, eyes closed, and some just go, boop, not sharing my screen. And you're like, they're either just super devout or they're actually not even there anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And so which is what people really want to do during prayer time is they want to go walk around or actually not be there sometimes that's that's a sad thing to say it's a weird thing with zoom where you can be distracted make dinner during prayer and nobody knows uh make dinner during church and nobody knows yeah dark side of zoom Mm -hmm. it is you don't have to tune in like you do in person yeah you know i think probably like our our church is really geared towards seeing each other. So yeah, when we start praying, people, a few people will shut it while they pray and, or then they'll turn it back on when they're not praying. Yeah. We've had a little bit of everything. So yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like I, I I think we'll stick with the prayer thing. I think we'll live stream. I think the hardest part is just this reorienting back. What is it going to look like to be church? You know, in this next few months and then what's it going to look like then into the future? Yeah. I I think there's going to be an awkward transition back. Um, But I personally, I just don't buy the stuff where everybody's like the whole world's going to be different. And you know, restaurants are always going to, the tables are always going to be 20 feet apart. And like, I, I don't think so. I personally, I think, I think this was, we'll look back on this as a crazy time. I think some things will have been lost and businesses will have died and changed and churches will, you know, there'll be some changes, but I just, and, and look, I'm, maybe I'm totally wrong and somebody pulls this up in two years and just laughs at me, but I just, I just think we, I think we're going to go back to the way we did it. Um, I just don't think it's going to be so drastic. I think maybe there's a couple things but I don't think that it's any different than what we, maybe the changes we made during the housing crisis. I mean. Right. You mean like financially? Yeah. I mean, but what were those? Like how it's hard to even really. A lot of, you know, there are people who lost jobs and things like that. Yeah. So it changed us, but I mean, I don't know. Yeah. No, I mean, I think the the thing that I have, those are like structural things. I, I think, as a pastor, the, the part that you struggle with and then is you don't have the visual contact of Sunday. Yeah. And as a pastor, you operate off of that visual contact, which is, okay, these 10 people were not at church and these, you know, 70 were, and I touched base and my leaders touched base with these people. So we're, there's a pastoring sense that happens within that two and a half hours, however long our services are about two and a half hours after meal and everything. Yeah. Same. So that's a lot of time to make connection, see how people are doing, know whose kids are sick, what's going on. You have a sense of things. That's completely missing from the COVID 
experiences. You don't you don't know who is at service, even if I mean you do from Zoom we, a little bit. We actually have a really that, good idea, yeah, because we're doing it on Zoom. Right, and you're doing it on Zoom, and that we we tried, but I think our we tried a little experiment, but I think our community is too um, it's too diverse in its age and yeah. its, and its economic stages. So like they just they either struggle with Zoom or their internet feeds are not as good or you know so we just struggle with that. So we don't know. So for us, it's harder. And maybe it's easier for you to know who's at church and what's happening. But that requires a lot more during the week for us to gotcha. engage with people. Um, I, still, I still don't know that. I mean, I think that there are lessons to learn from this time for sure. Um, I think one, one of those is I've noticed people have tuned in to Zoom who, who have moved out of town but really love our church. Yeah. Um, and I think if we'd done something akin to like having a live stream option, we would have seen some more of that in the past. Now I don't know if long-term, if that's the best move because I mean, I could very well see myself having just followed my favorite church. Like I'm thinking about when I moved to Chicago for a year, um, I had to embed in a church there, which was difficult, but I learned a lot. It was, it was a unique church. It was, um, and I wonder if, what would it, what would it have been like if I was like, well, I'm just going to zoom into my, my church back home while I'm here and not, not be present with these people. I think there would have been a benefit in staying connected with people back home. Cause I knew I was, well, I thought I was coming home. Um, but then I would have missed something too. So I wonder like long-term if it's really good for people to be able to move away and just kind of go, you know, but then I've, I've heard people who, uh, a guy, a guy I used to work with who moved out of town for work. And he was like, I cannot find a church here in this new place where, and he kind of referenced, you know, like our church and, and basically said, I can't find one that's not, cheesy or way off over here and like the balance that he felt like he'd found at our church. He's like, I can't find it. Sure. And I, I believe that I can't think sure. of a whole lot of churches, even the city of Tucson where I would personally be able to bring, like go and bring my friends. And sure. And, and that's, it's part of the problem with having a boutique style church. It is, is you and get very, I need that. I need that. Right. I mean, it's kind of like your business. If I start buying furniture from your business, I want that type of furniture. I don't want to go then to Ikea anymore. I don't want to go to even another boutique because I have a particular kind of branding and style that I enjoy in my home and it makes me feel comfortable. And it's really the same with church is when you begin to act creatively and not uniformly, yeah. whatever that you, uh, you create a difference, a different, and, and that difference contrasts with other things that people are. Which is what, what used to happen with denominations. It was very like Walgreens, right? Is yes. you used to feel like I can go to another town, find the first Southern Baptist, and it will be very, very similar to the first Southern Baptist where I was from. Of yes. course. More homogeneous. 
Yeah, and and that's kind of changing, but our churches don't. Right. Well, and I think our, our churches don't don't do that, and so that's that's partly why our church really encourages people if they're going to leave our community to go say somewhere else is to consider themselves as a missionary from our church, even so that when they go to another church, they're bringing the values of the village. They don't demand that they change, but they're bringing a new way of thinking and and seeing themselves as a missionary there so that they're not trying to fit in and say, Oh, this feeds me, but I have good things to offer to this community from my past community. And, and so how do I fit in and, and offer that in this body, which changes sort of that I'm looking for the place to feed and, me I, and be very similar to what I had. And I like that. And I feel like there's room within that to stay connected to your old church, which would be a beautiful thing. And so somehow, I mean, I guess, I guess it could be really cool if, if we churches, people who moved away, if like once a month, there was a zoom call with a bunch of people from the church who all connected with that person who moved away and that would be pretty cool intentionality with that. Yeah. But I think just attending the old church while moving away doesn't lend to that missionary mindset of like, I'm going to shape the community I'm in now. Yeah. And, And I think we try and we haven't done this every single time, but a lot of the times when somebody leaves, to move, you know, to go to seminary or to go become a doctor or to go to college somewhere. We pray over them and send yeah. them out like missionaries yeah, um, and bless them so that there's this thing of like, you're not just leaving. We're actually giving you kind of like what in the ancient times would be a letter of reference. We're praying our blessing on you to go right. to a new place. So I think that's a, a big deal in helping orient people to that. It's also like, you know, I think the, the thing, us being boutique churches and you have the Walmart churches, if you think in that context, it's still this idea of shopping. And mm-hmm. so I'm going to look for what's best and not where I'm called. Which is, which I don't like that. I, I yeah, I want us to, like, if I'm called to this other city and there's a church there or there, there's 20 of them, I'm called to one of those for right. some reason, not looking for what they offer i mean i think you i think it's like a both and i think there's something to like who am i and what do i need as a growing believer like do i need do i need a place that's going to shame me constantly you know if i deal with shame yeah maybe not but um but also like yeah looking looking for a place that's like where is a place that where i know that i can be discipled and then offer of myself both. Yeah. Well, and this, this kind of, you know, I've been thinking this may be off the track here a little bit, but I've been thinking about how, you know, the fivefold gifts in, in Ephesians, like evangelism and shepherding yeah. and um, prophecy. Like I think that leaders in a community only have one of those gifts, but they exercise all of them. So for instance, I um, feel like my gift in that fivefold is pastoring. So I approach evangelism as a pastor and I approach, you know, I approach teaching as a pastor. So I teach like a pastor in a pastoring sense. And so I think when you go and look at churches, you're going to find different 
like maybe the the lead leaders or the leader that's more visible is an evangelist. So he's going to approach pastoring as an evangelist, and he's going to approach all of those. And so you're going to experience things differently. And so you have to figure out, well, what stage in my life do I, which, what do I need right now? What kind of community do I need to be in, in that context? Do I need to be in a place where there's more strong teaching in the sense of building a foundation or do I need more um, care? And I think the question isn't always just, what do I like when you say, what do I need? It might be like at this point in my life, what do I, yeah, what would, what would be the best thing for me? So I could imagine for example, if somebody had gone to, you know, your church for years and years and years, and they've had this like intensive pastoring, maybe there's a church that needs the, a, a pastoring presence right? because, right, right. because the pastor is more evangelistic. And you go, you know, I've been shaped by the village. I think I could really offer that instead of going out and saying, because I've always had an Eric Seepin, I need to find right. an Eric Seepin. Exactly. Um, I mean, I, I was thinking when we were at a wedding together and I had just done a wedding the day before and I was kind of laughing in my head because I was like, this wedding talk that Eric's giving, I would never give. Like, I can't. It's not me. I'm not going to get up and kind of meander about about bad poetry. It's just not what I do. It's not my voice. It's not my brain. It's not. Sure, Nick, sure. Nick would never do what I do quite, right? Um, Rod would never do exactly what you or I do. And there's uh, and that that's a cool thing. And I so I what I appreciated the most about going to the two weddings, one in which I did and one in which you did, was the different, the completely different angle we came at at, at a wedding. Uh, you know, yes, the different point of view we came from, the different side of it we brought out. And I think that, yeah, every every pastor is going to do something different. But then in my church context, I need. I need people that are more shepherd-esque around me. And anyway, so, so if you're, yeah, if you're moving on looking for another church, you would, you would ask the question, what do I add to the equation? Not how do I find the exact same equation? Right. And so anyway, that all this was to say, if you, <laughs> with, uh, if we broadcast our church and people tune into us, when they're in another part of the country or they move away, I, that brings up a little bit of concern for me. Not, I, I want some of that, but I don't want that to be all that there is for this person. Yeah. Um, what other, what other takeaways from Corona time? Actually, can I, can I just uh, pause? We'll have to cut this part out, but. Um... Press one key. Again, press one all right, we're back. Okay. So, uh, any other any other takeaways from? Um, I mean, if you could say like, okay, may, forget if everything changes or whatever. Any other things that you've you would say I have learned this about my church in the last month? Um, I think that I have seen a few of my leaders actually thrive in this more digital crisis eight oriented thing. So I, people I didn't know were like maybe leaders with crisis skills, mm. like stepping forward. So, and revealing that they had it and they had initiative. 
to take, you know, they didn't need anybody to say, hey, would you do this? They were given a little bit of a, this is kind of what we want to do. And boom, they, they took off on it and kind of invented their own way of doing it and were creative. Yeah. Um, and I think that that has been cool to see those leaders step up. So that's, it's kind of brought some, the crisis has brought leaders to the surface that I didn't expect. Have you seen, have you seen the reverse of that at all of like um, folks who, when crisis came, you, you went, wow, they, they are, they struggle with crisis. Like they're, um, they kind of, not that they're not a leader because that's, you know, that doesn't need to be the case, but did you, did, yeah, did you learn the reverse about anybody? Well, to be honest, I think, and this would be somewhat true about me, but not completely, is that all of our actual staff outside of our administrator are, so the three elders are pretty ritual oriented people. So like we have, I mean, because, and it's, it is sort of the monastic part of our, why we kind of build out the idea of being monastic. Cause we are just like, this is what I do. This is how I do it. This is when right. I do it. And I'm, and I live out my life that way. And so when that gets disrupted, I think it, it was certainly harder for our other two elders who don't have any administrative gifts, really. Administration is not there to like reshift and figure out how to do it without me and the administrator coming alongside them and trying to help them think that through. And we're still in that process. So I yeah. think that was kind of a, a revelatory in our, on our staff. Yeah. 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 I've definitely, I've seen both of those things. I've seen people who I feel took leadership on naturally. I've learned something about, um, I've seen the generosity of some people really on display that yeah, it just that definitely yeah. a moment like this helps you see. Um, I've, I've learned who's, who's more risk oriented and who's more safety oriented. Uh, I've learned a little, you know, I've just, it, it, I have an insight and, and, and even, that, that goes for me too, like learning about myself. But it, anytime you go through something like this, you learn about people in a new light. And I think that shapes the way that you work together and move forward together in the future would be my assumption. I, mean, I think one of the things I learned about myself is that maybe I am less relationally, like I have a less of a basket than I have been operating with for the last 15 years of my life. I believe that and, like and, meaning your capacity for relationships. Yeah. Like, have you been feeling like with being home a lot and so are you like, okay, this is better. Um, it, it is except for, I mean, I live in a community house. So, you live in a relational house. Yeah. Yeah. So sometimes I'm like, yeah, having everybody home all the time is not yeah. my thing. Yeah. Um, but I like, I also realized that, if there's a lot of disorder, which when we hit, you know, when, when COVID hit and everybody was like a, in the stay at home thing, I just felt like everything was disorganized. It was disorganized at work. It was disorganized at home. Spaces were disorganized. And so I just had to, in order to have a good outlook on things, I needed to take time to organize all these different aspects and get sort of a sense of how to move forward because I felt like, 
in a lot of areas where it's like, I don't know what we're doing. I don't know how to move forward in this. So it just seems chaotic to me. So, yeah, yeah. I think kind of, yeah, but yeah, capacity wise, even like, you know, doing the live stream and then going home. I mean, we do a, we do a zoom call afterwards. And so people jump on zoom and I do the morning and Mark does the evening, but I still go home pretty early compared to. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I kind of am like, this is nice. Like I just close up church and go home. <laughs> Our church time has been much shorter, which makes Sundays much easier. Yes. But, but I also miss. I oh, really yes. Miss, yes, know, definitely. Yeah. But, it, but it, yeah, it, 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 it's sort of a catch 22. There's, there's, it's a nice reprieve and yet it's, produces a deep longing and makes it difficult to pastor. And I'm assuming that even on Zoom, it makes it difficult for you to pastor. There's definitely a, a thing about having people in your space, yeah. seeing how they interact with one another, watching how they're, you know, kind of listening to the spirit as you move with them and to see what you need to do and where you need to go with things. Yeah, we we um, we have two Zooms that we do on Sunday at this time. And so we, there's the all church one. And then we close that. And then you go into what we're calling our micro churches, which are mostly our pre-existing small groups right? with a couple added on. I have a feeling that what this is, one effect this is going to have on us is I think our small groups are going to come out stronger. I think we're going to have more people in our small groups than we did because some of them got integrated in through this experience but so that for that i'm grateful um but um where was i going with that so so we do get to like work through so so here's we always have had the relational time and and we haven't figured out the answer to this or or an i any real clear ideas to this right at this time but what used to always happen to me at church was, you know, we would get done with the service and I would get this sense that a couple people needed to talk. And usually they kind of had, they had their eyes, <laughs> like I could see it. It's coming, you know, they're, they're walking down the aisle right at me, right? After church. And some people would leave right away. Others congregated in their little friend groups. And then I would usually get, there'd be one or two conversations that I would have immediately. And those are usually people who either wanted to work out something that was said or they had something big going on in their lives. We have been, because we're dividing up into these micro churches and we've had questions and time for prayer immediately after the, the sermon, um, I feel like there's the whole church has been invited to process um, what, what was just said. And I don't think that though we would, hope that people would sit down together and process. I don't think they really did. I think there was what they felt was like you needed to catch up with each other or whatever. And so I think that's been a really rich addition to our service during this time is the immediate processing and that it's not all coming from myself or Nick or John or whoever's preaching. It's divvied up. The leadership of that is divvied up in a big way. That's interesting. Cause yeah. I was, that, that is hilarious because, you know, it, it's just the how opposite our churches are. Uh, yeah. And yet in the same context. So like, yeah. you know, you guys, we don't see anybody because we're live streaming and you have the Zoom. So you kind of have a sense of what's happening. Whereas in our community, 
because the meal like is so central to our theology and it's just constantly preached about and the way to operate afterwards that happens just like organically people are talking about the sermon how it applies what's happening in their life inviting new people to have that conversation so now when people hop on zoom it's the complete opposite that's been completely killed and everybody wants to know well what's actually happening in your life what's going on like what's the news kind of so we have none of that in, in our zoom calls or anything like that well, most of our, our like the micro churches that, that follow up with those questions also have a midweek time. And that right. time was normally no, no, no. primarily prayer and like, you know, maybe studying something. And most of those groups have said, you know, during that time, we felt more the need to check in with each other. So our midweek time has, <laughs> That's awesome. but Sunday, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, our, so we, our, our pilgrim groups have been very consistent and actually better attended, which are our, you know, men and women's Bible studies. Uh, and we separate those out. So they're more what people might call intentional discipleship. Sure. And then we, we have once a month gatherings that are like your groups. Um, and those haven't been very successful. Like they actually haven't met. Like a few of them have, but for the most part, they haven't met because it's once a month. And people are just trying to like figure out what's happening. And so it's just like, yeah, we'll just kind of let those fall until we all get back together. And people are getting zoomed out as I would. Oh yeah. That's the other thing. It's like, I think the one thing I learned is I, I can't do this many zoom calls. It's exhausting. Yeah. But I do think like I will probably, you know, if I don't, if I don't see somebody in a week or two, and instead of giving them a call, I might text them and say, hey, let's look up on Zoom so I can see your face and see how you're doing, you know. It's definitely and, been a more effective, um, like a friend we both have has moved out of town. And connecting with him, like a phone call might have happened in the past, but a Zoom call has been working way better. Yeah. For example, yeah. No, I think it's, it's, it's great. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Well, um, I'm sure there's a lot of other things, but <laughs> who knows, you know, right. Compelling I, podcasting, well, how to be a well, pastor in COVID. Well, I think that's what I don't want to hear anymore of, you know, cause it's like, I think we're, <laughs> we're all in the thick of it. And we're all figuring that out. But I, but what, what we're going to actually take away is I think worthwhile to process and, I sort of hope that people from our churches interact with this um, either, you know, by commenting, emailing us, faithoverbreakfast@gmail.com, or saying, or, uh, no, or just we don't have any phone. of those experiences that you guys are talking about in your church. What's going on? <laughs> yeah, they're like, I don't feel like you think everybody's close. We're not, you know. No, I, I would love to hear. I'd love to hear how, because this is always the case with church the pastor and the staff perception of how church is going versus the, the perception of people who are attending is very different. And it's, and often they don't understand each other's perspective. I mean, so for those of us who are, this is the vocation or the primary vocation or whatever, and we're, our heads are in it. We're thinking about it all the time. We have this sense of how church feels and it may not be accurate. So I'd love to, I'd love to hear from, people who feel like, you know, they attend our church, though they're not, um, 
I know people are more involved in our churches than others, but still ones who are like, well, I, I'm not steeped in it day in, day out. I go to my other, I'm, yeah. I'm in my other world the rest of the time. And I just experience it when I come in. So Sure. I'd be curious to hear from them. Yeah. All right, man. Well, I'm a, uh, Speaking of church, we're going to put in some new windows tomorrow uh, because it's a great time because we can get a room dusty and have it closed down for a little bit. So I got to go pick up those windows. Cool. Um, yeah. What? Uh, so, yeah, man. Good to see you. It's good to good, see you, too. Good job on the wedding the other day. No, thanks. So I, It was uh, – poor Matt. I thought he was going to pass out multiple times standing up there in the sun. Oh, it was super warm to be wearing a – uh, you know, and, and in the black, uh, like, yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. All right.